Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Everywhere the gospel was preached was part of the Roman Empire. Then they preached in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is under Roman rule. Where they went to Ephesus, Galatia, Corinth, wherever they went, it was part of the Roman Empire. It was under the rule of an enemy kingdom. And they went to these places and they brought the gospel in and in this enemy kingdom they rescued people from darkness and brought them into light. And if you look at the prophecies in the Old Testament, with virtually all of them, there was a partial, incomplete fulfillment at the time. It was a real fulfillment. Real things happened in history. But they were pointing forward to what Jesus is going to do, to what was going to happen when Jesus came, what he was going to do. There, were, there was a partial fulfillment, it was very real, but it was pointing forward to something much greater. And it's the same with the gospel. The kingdoms of the world do not want to know about Jesus. But that's no hindrance to the gospel. Because the gospel breaks out into the kingdoms of darkness to rescue people from darkness and to bring them into God's light. And it says in Revelation 11:15, the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this Roman kingdom, we know that in the, in the year, I think it was 300, I can't remember the exact date, 313 or something like that, decided to bow down to Christianity. Now, it was grossly imperfect, it was just politics and all the rest of it, it was all, all sorts of things, but it wasn't perfect fulfillment, it was a partial fulfillment, it was a demonstration of what was going to happen. That one day, all the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our God. So what we're going to look at today, it's nothing to do with that. It was, that's just introduction. We're going to look at Galatians 2, verses 15 to probably 3, verse 9, but we might stop before then, see how we're going. Let me read verses 15 and 16 from chapter 2. It's on the next slide. There we go. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. So we also have believed in Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because the works of the law, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now that looks very complicated. Uh, what's it on about? Most of the point, what's it got to do with us? Well, let's just have a look at a wee bit of the background. Paul and some of his co-workers had evangelized Galatia. Galatia was largely non-Jewish. It's part of the Roman Empire. They'd gone there, they'd preached the gospel, they'd done signs and wonders, and a number of the people had believed in Jesus Christ, they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, they'd spoken in tongues, they'd prophesied, they'd experienced the reality of the gospel, the reality of the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And then Paul then went on with the rest of his uh, missionary journeys. And sometime later, he received very bad news about Galatia, which is what brought forth this letter. And what was happening was there had been a group of people, and sometimes referred to as Judaizers, or sometimes referred to as the circumcision group. And they said to these guys, to the Galatian church, if you really want to please God, what you need to do is to get circumcised. Now, if any of you are thinking of starting a heresy, starting a cult, starting a false teaching, telling people that to join your cult they need to get circumcised, it's probably going to work that well. At least not in this country. The number of circumcised men in this country is approximately 3 or 4%. In America, it's about 60 or 70 now, you're wondering how, 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 how I know this. <laughs> I googled it, so it must be true. <laughs> I, d I didn't go and carry out a survey. But why on earth? Why on earth? These guys, they were teaching that what you need to do to really please God is to get circumcised and also to follow other bits of the Jewish law. Why on earth? And people were falling for it. Galatians is Paul's angriest letter. In most of his letters, he starts off by praising the church for something. Even the church in Corinth got praised. And if you've read Corinthians, you'll know what a mess that church was. Not in the, uh, his letter to the Galatians. Why? What was going on? Why, first of all, why were they attracted by this? Well, we need to appreciate what the situation was. Christianity at this point had been on the go for about 20 years. It was an alien and weird religion. I mean, uh, Galatia, along with virtually oh, all the countries at the time, was a pagan nation. They had all sorts of false gods. Uh, do you know what Christians were called in the first century by some people? Atheists. Because they said, they're, what the church had said was, these gods you worship, they're nothing. They don't exist. They're just bits of stone and wood and metal. So Christians are called atheists. So if you get into an argument with an atheist, you just say, well, I'm one too. <laughs> but anyway, they was going against the culture. And then there was Judaism, which had been around for 1,500 years, a bit more uh, longer established. And Judaism was uh, tolerated by the Roman Empire. It was, it was kind of a recognized religion, if you like. And the gospel being preached to them, and Paul and others preached them, they preached from the Old Testament. And these guys called Judaism said, hey, you need to please God. Look at Abraham. He got circumcised. You need to get circumcised too. So why do they forfeit? Because they want to be, there's a human need to want to be accepted. We don't like standing out. We don't like being different from everyone else in the whole. We want this desire to feel, want to feel affirmed. To want to feel that we're, uh, some sense of self-worth. And these Christians in Galatia were saying, oh, right, oh, well, if you really want to please God, perhaps you do need to get circumcised in. That's why they wanted to do, that's why they were taken in by this. 
And today, people obviously don't get into circumcision stuff, but they'll do it. I think everyone wants to have some sense of which I'm okay. And we'll try and find our identity in all sorts of ways. There's lots of talk about identity politics these days. People sometimes they will do it through sexuality. Some people will do it through some football team to support. They get, well, not just supporting a football team, they go absolutely mad about fo- uh, supporting this team. Following it to every single place that, that they ever play. You don't get much of that in Dundee. It would not be a very successful strategy. If you're trying to get your self-worth and f- supporting Dundee or Dundee United, well, you've... I've probably offended a number of people in the congregation now this morning. Shall we monitor up there? A number of people offended by a sermon. <laughs> you can do it with politics. But you'd have to be desperate to do that these days. Look, I can sum up my political views in three words. It's okay, you don't need to This isn't an abuse of the platform. And these three words are God help us. But people will do a thing, uh, uh, not so much political parties anymore, but with a, a, a particular cause. It might be Scottish independence, it might be Brexit, it might be climate change. And it can, it can be good to campaign for some of these things. But sometimes people go to it obsessively and try and find that identity in it. And what Paul was saying here, he said, Look, we're Jews. Paul was the most Jewish person you could get. He, he was, came from the tribe of Benjamin. And in, the Jewish, in, uh, in Judaism, being from the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah, they were kind of the top two tribes. If you wanted to be a super Jew, you came from, came from one of these tribes. He'd been a Pharisee who was utterly dedicated. I mean, the, the, the zeal with which they devoted themselves to observing the law, it's, it was unbelievable. And then we know that before the Damascus Road, he went out zealously persecuting the church. And he said, look, I've, I've tried all this Jewish stuff. I've tried all this trying to observe the law. Put all my effort into it, and it doesn't work. And if we try to find our identity, our self-worth in something or someone other than Jesus... It doesn't work. It will fail. Let's go to the next verse. Paul then says, But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners in Christ, then a sermon to sin? Certainly not. Now, this needs a wee bit of explaining. In those days, the Jews weren't always very nice about non-Jewish people. They would often refer to them as Gentile sinners. And one of the things that happened, in fact, the big thing that happened in Galatia was that when they brought the gospel and in the church, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians just ate together as one. Now, Jews weren't allowed to do that. If you read when Paul, uh, uh, Peter went to the house of Cornelius, if you read in Acts uh, 11, 10, 11, whichever, he went, he went into the house and he said, you know that Jews are not allowed to enter the house of a Gentile, but God told me to do this. Have you noticed how divisive the world is? 
Have you noticed how unforgiving the world is? You know, these days, people you know, drag something. Oh, you said this oh, 20 years ago. Therefore, let's condemn you. The gospel brings unity. It brings unity between people through whom, humanly speaking, there shouldn't be any unity. And it was bringing unity between the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians. And one of the reasons Paul got so excited about this was because he knew that if they went down this Jewish teaching, this uh, circumcision stuff teaching, it would bring division again. The gospel brings unity where previously there was none. Situations which cannot be resolved humanly can be resolved by Jesus. Uh, things can be utterly transformed by Jesus. Then he goes into 18 and 19. He says, For if I rebuild what I tore down, and prove, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. Now what Paul's saying there is this. Suppose I did devote myself to trying to fulfill the law. The only thing I would prove is that I'm a sinner, that I can't do it. If we try to prove for ourselves that we are, of our own merits, good enough for God, all we'll do is fail. And if we try to find our identity in anything or anyone, anything else other than Jesus, we will fail. And it can happen even with good things. If you think getting married will make you complete, you will be disappointed. If you think getting a particular job will sort out all the problems in your life, you are deceived. Even things which are good, we can sometimes make an idol out of them. We start saying that this thing, even if it's something really good like marriage, or this job, or whatever else it might be, that's going to give, make my life complete. That's going to give me contentment in life. That's going to give me peace. That's going to bring me fulfillment. We are making that thing out to be an idol. We need to make sure we have the right attitude towards these things, that we accept them as a gift from God. When we accept them as a gift then they have become a true blessing in our lives. But if we make them an idol, they become a source of danger, and they become something which can actually hinder our relationship with God. Now, I'm married. And Fiamma is just looking forward to this bit now. It's the only bit in the sermon she looks forward to. She knows who's going to get mentioned. I've been married 34 or so years, and I love it. I love Eleanor as well. I've got the job which I always wanted. Now, the job does cause me more problems than my wife does. It's sometimes a close one thing. But God has given me the two things that which I always wanted. But there's something else he also did in my life. Long before we were 
we're married. God made sure that I loved him more than I loved Eleanor. And with the job I've got, the first time it was advertised, I felt God saying, don't apply. And I didn't. And you might think, well, that's the end of it. But that several months later, the same job was advertised. And I believe that God said, go. You can go for it now. You see, the order of which we have things in our life is so crucial. And God is making very sure that Eleanor is second in my list of priorities. Now, that's a significantly higher play, better place than I've got in her life. I reckon I'm about tenth in her list of priorities. In fact, at the moment, we're looking after uh, Sarah and Kevin's rabbit as they're away on holiday. So that's me a further notch down the pecking order. <laughs> but we need to put God first. And you know, I've been a Christian almost 40 years. I keep going on about this this year. I don't know why, but just, just at that time, you, what have I learnt? One of the things I've learnt is this. There can be situations and circumstances in life which become a real pain. You're making no progress. They're just a cause of frustration, just a cause of anxiety, just a cause of hassle, and nothing seems to sort them out. But then, when I finally, I finally get to the point where I put God first, that all sorts of other things suddenly start working out. Things which seemed insoluble, suddenly get solved. Obstacles which seemed insurmountable just vanish. We need to put God first. And I talked about, uh, uh, about marriage or jobs, but having the right priorities. Maybe some of you did marry for the wrong reasons. Never happens, does it? What do you do? Or you took a job with the wrong attitude. What do you do? You make sure you get your heart refocused. You get your heart refocused on Jesus. And then you will be amazed at situations which suddenly start transforming. When we put Jesus first, all sorts of other things just get sorted. So let's go to the next verse. Oh, uh, do, 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 do. No, don't, not yet. No, for though I died to, uh, for through the law, I died to the law. Now, what these Judaizers were saying was that, hey, if you really want to please God, you really want to live for God, you need to follow the law. And Paul's saying, wrong. Through the law, I gave up trying to earn my salvation. I gave up trying to prove that I am something. I gave up trying to prove that I'm good enough. So that I might truly live for God. Jesus said, if you try to save your own life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. When we, if we persist in trying to find our identity, our fulfillment in something other than Jesus, we'll never find it. 
But when we give up doing that and put our focus onto Jesus instead, then we'll find it. We'll suddenly find that we're more fulfilled than we ever were before. That we've got such a greater sense of identity and uh, worth than we ever had before because it's founded in Jesus. So then he goes on in verse 20. Because I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And Paul said, just said, I died to the law. Now he's saying, this is how I live. It's a bit like that chorus we sing, this is how I fight my battles. Paul's saying, this is how I live my life. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know, when you, when, you, when you give your life to Jesus, it's not just making a decision to believe this instead of believing that, or to go this way instead of that way. You get born again. You become a new creation. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, starts to form something new within you. He says, I live my life by faith in Jesus. So I've been crucified with him. One of the things Paul was saying there, he said, I recognize the reality of my sin and my sinfulness. I recognize that the death that Jesus died, that it's me who deserved to be there. I recognize that Jesus went there on my behalf, in my place. He suffered the endured the judgment which I should have had. Took upon himself the punishment that should have been ours. I've been crucified with him. I've given up trying to prove I'm good enough. Because only Jesus is good enough. And now it's Jesus who lives in me. And I live my life by faith in him. And then look what, what it says there at the end. This, uh, my faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. See how personal that is. You know, sometimes people, if they're trying to be nice about Christianity, they say, oh, Jesus was a good moral teacher. Or Islam will say, Jesus was a prophet. They're selling Jesus short when they say that. Look at what Paul says. Look at what I can say. Look at what you can say if you believe in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus who loved me, who loves me, who gave himself up for me. You'll not find anyone else who gave himself up for you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean he's a great Bible teacher or whatever, or a great prophet or whatever. Didn't give the self the life up for you. Jesus did. The Son of God did. The one through whom all things are create, were created loves you. The one through whom all things are, were created and, whom, and for whom all things were created gave himself up for you and for me. It's personal. So then Paul goes on in Galatians 3 verse 1. And as I've said several times, 
There were no chapter divisions. I don't know what it went to the 20th chapter division after this. And then he says, uh, let's just go back one verse. I do want to look at the end of chapter 2. Where it says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness are through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Do you know what we do? If we say, God, I'm good enough. Oh God, I can prove my own self-worth. We're saying to Jesus, you needn't have bothered. You needn't have bothered being whipped, having that crown of thorns driven into your head. You needn't have bothered having the nails driven into your body, being crucified on that cross. Jesus, you needn't have bothered. That's what we say. In effect, if we ever try to trust and rely on ourselves for our own righteousness or justification, we're saying, Jesus, you wasted your time. Now let's go into chapter 3. Paul there says, Oh, foolish Galatians! You know, I think sometimes with the, the welcome, when it lost gear, for instance, we're too nice sometimes. I think we need to do a few, one or two biblical welcomes. <laughs> like, who told you to come here, you brood of vipers? That's what John the Baptist did once. It worked. Sometimes we're too nice. Perhaps I'm uh, misapplying scripture there, but never mind. Paul was appalled at what was going on. He said, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Hey, we can get bewitched by ideas. Ideas matter. Some say things are just talk. In Nazi Germany, an idea got a hold of the nation and led to six million Jews being killed and starting World War II. In Russia, communism got a hold. And through Stalin, it's like debate about how many people his deaths he was responsible for. But it's somewhere between 20 and 40 million. Mao Zedong. In China, it's responsible for the deaths of even more people. Ideas matter. Ideas get a hold, can get a hold of us, and can lead us in utterly destructive directions. Paul there saying, who's bewitched you? Luke, when we came, we said, you, you can have eternal life, there's this great salvation from God, and there's only one reason you can have it, and that's because of Jesus. Nothing else. All you need to do is put your faith in him. Then he goes on. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having been gunned by the Spirit, you are now seeking to be perfected by, uh, by the flesh, by your own efforts? Notice what Paul's doing there. If you look at Galatians, about the second half of Galatians chapter 2, right through to 3 and 4, it's deeply theological. There's great ideas in there. But he also talks about experience. I'm saying here, what happened to you? Look, you know God gave you the Holy Spirit. Because there's, there's uh, spoken tongues, God did signs and wonders among them. They experienced the closeness and the presence of God. Well, that's how you started. 
Don't you think that's how you should carry on? God gave these things not because you're good, but because you trusted in him. You want to know how to get on better with God? One word, faith or trust. That's how we get close to the heart of God, when we trust him, when we rely on him. And he goes on, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now these Judaizers would have been using Abraham as an example. Say, Abraham got circumcised, you need to get circumcised. Paul says, no. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Do you ever feel at a complete loss in life? You look ahead and you cannot see your future going anywhere, except in bad places. You can only see yourself and your future getting worse. You cannot see a good outcome. Well, Abraham experienced that. You can read in Galatians, uh, not Galatians, uh, Genesis 15, verses 1 to 6. And at the start of it, he says, this is hopeless, God. Your promises are never going to be fulfilled in my life. And God said to him, I am your shield. I am your very great reward. So there are times, I think we all go through times when the future looks bleak or we just we have a sense of hopelessness. But I find then there comes a point where I start to hear God again. I start hearing God say, I'm your provision. I'm your protection. I'm your reward. What have you got to fear? What have you got to dread? You see, he is our salvation. And then it says, Abraham believed God. And God counted it as righteousness. So Paul's saying to these guys, look, Abraham, God was pleased with Abraham because of his faith. You want to get on with God, you really want to please God, we show faith in Jesus Christ. We put our trust in him, not in anything or anyone else. We make him the foundation. And then let's just go on to the last bit. It says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. You really want to follow in Abraham's footsteps? Show faith in Jesus Christ. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. You see, when God, God chose Abraham, or called him out of a pagan land, and then said to him, Through you, 
all nations on earth will be blessed. Not just Israel. All nations on earth will be blessed. And then it is, so there, it's by faith. Look, it has always been God's plan that many people would come into his kingdom and would do so by showing faith in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter anything at all. But if we hear the call of God and we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that is what he wants. And that makes us utterly and totally acceptable to him. So if we want to please God, we put our faith in him. Let's stand and pray. And perhaps the band can come up. Lord God, we thank you for sending such a great salvation to us, your Son, your only begotten Son. We thank you that in Jesus you've done it all. You've given us everything. You've forgiven us everything. Lord, we ask that our hearts will trust more and more in you. Lord, I pray that we'll please you by trusting in your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.